views and opinions on the following program are not necessarily those of the staff and management of Oldies 1079, WOLD, or SRN Communications. It's time now for Here's the Thing, a show that's all about you with your host, Lauren Cardinal, a board-certified hypnotist and results coach. If you're looking to make a positive change this year, learn lifelong tools to reduce stress and be present. If you're stuck and need to remove the blocks that are from success and happiness in the areas of your life, or if you want to get a new perspective on things, well, it's time to talk to Lauren Cardinal. To talk to Lauren, call 732 748 1079. That's 732-748-1079. And now, here's your host, Lauren Cardinal. Good evening. Thank you for joining me for Here's the Thing. I am Lauren Cardinal, your host. Changing your life starts with changing your mind. So thank you for listening live now on Oldies 107.9 WOLD, now serving even more of Central New Jersey at 95.1 FM. And recordings of the show being played on 97.5 FM in Sussex County on Saturday mornings. This show, Here's the Thing, is about you and it's for you. Each week, we discuss relevant and timely topics so that you have more tools to help yourself just live a little bit better, maybe a more fulfilling life. I am a certified life coach and clinical hypnotherapist, and we talk about what's important to you. If you have something to ask or to share, please do. In the meantime, thank you for listening live, and thank you to my podcast listeners. I will also tell you that I have a little bit of a, of a cold going on, so I'm going to try and refrain, but you might hear me th- clear my throat just a little bit every so often tonight. Now, tonight's show is somewhat holiday-specific, only in that it's something that we seem to experience each year at holiday time. And it's grief. They say that grieving is a process. Loss is something we experience throughout our lives, whether it's disappointments or breakups, deaths, they're all part of life. However, they not only can these experiences be painful and challenging because of their intensity, we often don't know how to talk about them, to prepare for them, or know how to deal with them when they show up. We're often faced with loss and lack the power to deal and feel and heal. Tonight we're going to talk about how to grow and move through grief. We'll discuss the five stages of grief as a reminder and as an important, uh, important step in establishing where we are if we're feeling that grief, and also a few lessons to take from it. Then I'll discuss a method that is used by Aurora Winter in her grief coaching. So first off, tonight's show is brought to you by Full Recovery Wellness Center. Full Recovery is located in Fairfield, New Jersey, and whether you're struggling to get clean and sober, whether you're a 12-step old-timer or a family member of a recovering alcoholic or addict, the Full Recovery Wellness Center offers the tools needed to succeed in recovery and in life. They have a dedicated and caring staff that understands that addiction is a complex illness. It has biological, genetic, psychological, social, and developmental roots, and their treatment targets this entire range of factors. Their goal is simple, provide the tools that help people in recovery to enjoy a rich and rewarding life. 
And Full Recovery offers outpatient and intensive outpatient treatment programs as well as free family dynamic workshop series. They focus on the individual and the family to integrate recovery principles and spiritual concepts with leadership, relationship, and career skills to guide individuals to a life of contribution and prosperity. For more information, you can reach them at 973-244-0022, that's 973-244-0022, or you can find them online at www.full-recovery.com. I want to let you know, as I've mentioned before, that I now offer HIPAA-compliant video hypnosis sessions for my clients. If you'd like to work with me but your distance is prohibitive, we have options. You can reach out to me through my website or Facebook, or you can give me a call at 973-418-2170, and we can set up a video session. If you'd like to receive my newsletter, it goes out every week on Thursdays. Here's the thing on Thursday. Short, sweet, to the point. Uh, I can off, I offer highlights of the show or a thought or a quote or something that's just been on my mind lately in hopes of adding discussion, adding some thought, something to percolate on. If you'd like to receive a copy of my newsletter, you can reach out to me for, on my website, www.laurencardinal.com, or you can send me an email, lauren at laurencardinal.com. Now, in last week's show, we discussed moving up the scale of emotions. Now, you are the only one that you have control over, and we talk about this on the show all of the time. You can't control anyone else, and you are your own greatest resource. We want to be in control of ourselves and feel that we have power of ourselves. Now, at the bottom of the scale, those feelings are disempowerment, right? Fear, despair, grief, that feeling of being out of control of something that you don't want to happen. And the scale is about, it's about incrementally moving up that scale consistently by consciously choosing thoughts. It is a practice, but it is a quantifiable destination as well. If you're interested in seeing what the scale is, you can find it on my Facebook page at facebook.com backslash Lauren Hypnotherapy. And to learn what was discussed on the show in more depth, or if you'd like to hear it again, you can find that podcast as well as all of my previous shows podcasts on my website, www.laurencardinal.com or through iTunes. Now, in addition to welcoming listeners on 107.9 and 95.1, I'd again like to welcome the Sussex County listening audience to the show on WRSK 97.5, broadcasting pre-recorded shows from Sussex County Community College on Saturday mornings from 9 to 10 a.m. And as always, you can listen to the live show on the Internet at WOLDradio.com, through the TuneIn Radio app on your Android phone or the free Apple device app. If you are just tuning in, you're listening to Here's the Thing. I'm your host, Lauren Cardinal. And tonight we're talking about grief relief. I'm going to talk for a bit tonight, and then just after the break, I'll open up the phone lines. But if you have something to, you'd like to share, I certainly would like to hear from you. The number to call is 732-748-1079. Let me know what's on your mind. So there's a lot to get through for tonight. Grief is a big subject, and it's important at this time of year. So as we get on with the show, I wanted to talk about how the topic came up for me. And... 
I think that there are a number of people who can resonate with grief, even if we don't have a loss. Um, but this week, uh, last week, there were two experiences that I had personally. Uh, speaking with my sister, she named four people, four or five people that were experiencing difficulties. And I actually, put that when I posted on my Facebook page about the topic for tonight's show, I had a client that got back to me and said, the topic is something everyone can relate to, especially during the holidays. Blue Christmas is real for so many folks, even if they didn't have loss. It's the time of year that marks what wasn't, although they should be thinking of what was during the year. Thanks for that, DC. You're absolutely right on target. So what is grief? Grief is a reflection of a connection that's been lost. So while most often, and particularly at this time of year, we think about the loss of people who are no longer with us, the loss can be certainly a person. It can be a pet. It can be lost through a betrayal, a divorce, a death. And we grieve those that we love, that we like, that we dislike, even those that we hate or despise. You may say, what? I grieve over people I hate? The person who maybe abused me, for example? Yes, we grieve for the archetype we feel we should have had in this life experience. And if the love is real, the grief is real. And our job is to honor and heal the grief. And when you feel a feeling, you move through it and then move on to another feeling, just like we were talking about last week with the scale. Feelings are just feelings. We put pay the attributes. We, the, uh, we put the judgment on whether they're good or bad, but they're really just feelings. Suffering is what happens when we're not in balance and we're choosing more painful experience, let's say. So in the intro, I talked about that we'll discuss the five stages of grief. And many of you are probably already aware of the five stages of grief. But in speaking, for example, with a few clients and with my sister this week about the experiences that we've been seeing going on, I was reminded that it's a good practice to reacquaint ourselves with the stages of grief so we have a better understanding of where we are, how we can move through it, and do our job of healing. So the five stages of grief, they're described as denial and isolation, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. And they're a part of a framework that makes up are learning to live with the one we lost and that's lost in whatever form that is and the stages are just tools to help us frame and identify what we may be feeling they're not stops on some linear timeline in grief last week when we were talking about the scale of emotions that is more linear it's moving up and yes things can be skipped along the way but it really is a matter of moving upward that way in these stages of grief it's not linear, and it's a matter of moving around. Not everyone goes through all of them at all, or in a prescribed order. People who are grieving don't necessarily go through the stages in the same order or experience all of them. Our hope 
is that frequently for all of us, we hope that the stages come with the knowledge of the grief's terrain, making it easier or making us better equipped to cope with life and with loss. And at times, people in grief will often report more stages. Just remember that whatever grief you're experiencing is really as unique as you are. Every relationship is different, whether it's through the loss by death with a person or an animal or a divorce or a breakup or a betrayal. Every relationship is different. Every individual is different. So every form of grieving is going to be different. And the stages of grief and mourning are universal. They're experienced by people from all walks of life across many cultures. Mourning occurs in response to an individual's own terminal illness, the loss of a close relationship, or as we said, the death of a valued being, human or animal. Now, the five stages of grief were first proposed by Elizabeth Kubler-Ross in her book in 1969 called On Death and Dying. And there's another book by David Kessler and Elizabeth Kubler-Ross from 2005 on grief and grieving, it's called, Five Stages of Grief. And either of those really take the five stages and explain them in depth, really in depth. What you may not know about that 1969 book from Kubler-Ross is that it didn't originally develop to explain what people go through when they lose a loved one. She developed them to describe the process patients go through at the stages, denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. Were only later applied to grieving friends and family members who seem to undergo the similar process after the loss of their loved ones. But unfortunately, grief turns out to be not quite that simple. When we lose someone, we may find that we fit the stages exactly as they're outlined. We may race through them or drag our feet all the way to acceptance. We may even repeat or add stages that Dr. Kubler-Ross never even dreamed of. In fact, the actual grief process looks a lot less like a neat set of stages and a lot more like a roller coaster of emotions. And for those of us who have felt grief before, we know that. We can, we've experienced that. Probably couldn't, could have even described that without me even saying it. It doesn't proceed in a linear and predictable fashion. And it is an unfortunate side effect of our society's firm belief in the five stages that sometimes we end up criticizing ourselves that we're not doing grief right, as if the five stages of grief are exactly what we should be following. But when people buy into that idea that there's only one healthy way to grieve, then it's easy for them to attack themselves when that they naturally find that they're doing it differently. And that really doesn't serve anyone. It doesn't help anyone, least of all the person who's grieving. And in our bereavement, we spend different lengths of time working through each step and express each state with different levels of intensity. We often move between stages before achieving a more peaceful acceptance of the loss. 
and many of us are not afforded the luxury of time required to achieve this final stage of grief. Again, many people don't experience the stages of grief in the order that was originally stated, and that's normal. Instead, it's more helpful to look at them as guides in the grieving process, and it helps to put into context where you may be. So keeping in mind that everyone grieves differently, also keep in mind that some people will wear their emotions on their sleeve and be outwardly emotional, and others will experience their grief more internally and may not cry at all, or at least cry when they're alone and feel more comfortable. And it's important to honor that for each of us. How we express it is different. So to go over the five stages. The first stage, well, the first mentioned is denial and isolation. And those are the first of the five. In this stage, we're in a state of shock and denial. It's almost like we go numb. We may wonder how we can go on if we can go on, why we should go on. We try to find a way to simply get through each day. Denial and shock help us to cope and make survival possible. Denial actually helps us to pace our feelings of grief. There is a grace in denial. And it's nature's way of letting in only as much as we can handle. Being forced to confront difficult grief-related emotions all at once can be unnecessarily painful. As we accept the reality of the loss and start to ask ourselves questions, we are beginning the healing process, becoming stronger and the denial begins to fade. And as we proceed, all the feelings that we were denying begin to surface. The first reaction to learning about the terminal illness, loss, or death of a cherished loved one is to deny the reality of the situation. This isn't happening. This can't be happening. People often think. And it's a normal reaction to rationalize our overwhelming emotions. Most people experiencing grief, this stage is a temporary response that carries us through. Denial becomes unhealthy only when it's unshakable. In such cases, some people, people sometimes fail to face their grief, taking a temporary breather from grief to watch a movie, have a distracting conversation with a friend, or just daydream for a while. That's all healthy. But trying to avoid it altogether can have harmful consequences. As a general rule, the only way out of grief is through it. If the emotions are there, it's important not to run from them. But we shouldn't feel we have to face them all at once either. Grieving appropriately means allowing ample time to remember and feel the loss as well as embracing the occasional opportunities to distract ourselves and regroup. Now the next stage that's mentioned, even if it's not the next stage that we experience in the grieving process, is anger. Anger is a necessary stage of the healing process. 
Be willing to feel your anger, even though it may seem endless. Remember last week when we discussed the scale of emotions? If so, then you'll also remember that anger is one step up on the scale from grief and despair. And as much as anger is not the desired emotion that we ultimately want to feel, it's about the progress. The more you truly feel the anger, the more it will begin to dissipate, and the more you'll heal. The intense emotion is deflected from our core, and then it's redirected and expressed as anger. There are many other emotions under the anger, and we'll get to them in time, but anger is the emotion we're most used to managing. And the truth is that anger has no limits. It extends to friends, the doctors, your family, yourself, and even your loved one who passed or moved away or divorced. Rationally, we know the person is not to be blamed. Emotionally, though, we may resent the person for causing us pain or for leaving us. And if we feel guilty for being angry, this makes us more angry. Some of us may also express anger to God. You may ask, where is God in this? How could this happen? And underneath anger is pain. It's pain. It's natural to feel deserted and abandoned, but we live in a society that fears anger. Anger is strength, and it can be an anchor. And it can give temporary structure to what we feel as like a, a nothingness of loss, right? Feeling anger helps us to feel that we have some power back again. At first, grief feels like being lost at sea. No connection to anything. And then you get angry at someone, maybe a person who didn't attend the funeral, maybe a person who isn't around, maybe a person who is different now that you and your spouse have divorced. Suddenly you have a structure, your anger towards them. That anger becomes a bridge over that open sea, a connection from you to them. And it's something to hold on to. It's a, a connection made, and it's that connection that is a strength because that strength of anger feels better than nothing. We usually know more about suppressing anger than feeling it, right? The anger is just another indication of the intensity of the emotions that you're feeling. Remember that grieving is a personal process, has no time limit, no right way to do it. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Here's the Thing. I'm your host, Lauren Cardinal, board-certified hypnotist and results coach, and tonight we're talking about grief relief. If you have something you'd like to share, I'd love to hear from you after the break. Please call in, 732-748-1079. Let me know what's on your mind. Now, before a loss, it seems like you'll do anything if only your loved one would be spared. Please, God, you bargain. I'll never be angry at my wife again if you just let her live after a loss. Bargaining may take the form of a temporary truce. What if I devote the rest of my life to helping others? Then can I wake up and realize this has all been a bad dream? We become lost in a maze of the 
oh, if only, or if only we got to the doctor sooner, if only I forced them to go, or what if, what if we got there sooner, what if I didn't do this to make them mad so consistently. We almost want, well, we do, we want life to re return to us what, what it was. We want our loved one restored. We want to go back in time. We want to find things out sooner or recognize the illness more quickly. Stop the accident from happening. If only, if only, if only. And this is the bargaining stage. Guilt is often a, com a companion to bargaining. The if onlys cause us to find fault in ourselves and what we think we could have done differently. We may even bargain with the pain. We'll do anything not to feel the pain of this loss. We remain in the past, trying to negotiate our way out of the hurt. People often think of the stages as lasting weeks or months, and they forget that the stages are responses to feelings that can last for minutes or hours as we flip in and out of one and then another. We don't enter and leave each individual stage in a linear fashion, and I'll keep repeating that because it's not linear. We may feel one, and then another, and then back again to the first one. And grief can shake our faith. And faith doesn't just refer to religion. We have faith in lots of things, right? In ourselves, in others, in the future. When someone passes away, our faith in these things can be shaken. It may seem like the world will never be the same again. We may wonder if, it, if we will ever be the same. People often find themselves asking questions like, how could this have happened to such a good person? Or how could the world be so unfair? On some level, most people believe in the old saying that what comes around goes around. And we have faith that if we behave well, good things are supposed to happen to us. Many of us are taught this belief as children and don't entirely surrender it as we age. And life isn't always fair. People don't always get what they deserve. The loss of a loved one challenges these beliefs. And as a result, people sometimes find themselves feeling guilty. If the world is fair and our loved one has died, it's easy to believe that we must have done something wrong. Some people even try to bargain with God. They may promise to be more moral or just, understanding or caring if their loved one will return to them. It's important to remember that death has medical and physical causes and causes that aren't our fault or usually anyone else's. It's natural to question the fairness of losing someone we love. However, death is neither fair nor unfair. It's simply a reality, part of life. And we may even find ourselves questioning our faith in ourselves. Some people may find themselves wondering, who am I without my loved one? And especially likely if they and their loved one were close for many years. They may have trouble remembering who they were before that person came into their life. People often define themselves by the roles they play in close relationships. They think of themselves as spouses or siblings, children, friends, mentors, or caregivers. When someone passes away, we may lose one or more of these important roles. And when that happens, it's natural to feel confused and sad and even angry. Grief takes time because it entails accepting the loss of these roles and redefining ourselves. 
during this time of change, it's important to remember what has not changed. Although a lot has shifted, some constants are present. Our remaining friends and family are a good start. It's important to take comfort in what is stable and use this as a home base from which to build a new faith in who we are and redefining. And after bargaining, our attention moves into the present. Empty feelings present themselves and grief enters our lives on a deeper level, deeper than we've ever imagined. This depressive stage feels as though it will last forever. It's important to understand that this depression is not a sign of mental illness. It's appropriate response to a great loss. We withdraw from life and may get left in a fog of intense sadness, wondering perhaps if there's any point in going on alone. Depression after a loss is, of any kind is too often seen as unnatural, a state to be fixed or something to snap out of. The first question to ask yourself is whether or not the situation you're actually in is depressing. The loss of a loved one is very depressing situation, and depression is a normal and appropriate response. To not experience depression after a loss would be unusual. When a loss fully settles in your soul, the realization that your loved one didn't get better this time and is not coming back is understandably depressing. If grief is a process of healing, then depression is one of the many necessary steps along the way. There are two types of depression associated with mourning. The first one is a reaction to practical implications relating to the loss. The sadness and regret predominate this type of depression. We worry about the costs and burial. We worry that in our grief we sp we've spent less time with others that depend on us. And this phase can be eased by simple clarification and reassurance. We may need a, a bit of helpful cooperation and a few kind words. The second type of depression is more subtle and, in a sense, perhaps more private. It's our quiet preparation to separate and bid our loved one farewell. And sometimes all we really need is support, company, or a hug. And... Those are the first three stages described by Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll go into acceptance. Actually, we did four, so we'll be right back after the break. There's a world-class addiction treatment center that accepts most insurance right in Fairfield, New Jersey. The Full Recovery Wellness Center offers substance abuse help with flexible day and evening options. Overcoming addictive behavior is really just the beginning of recovery. The Full Recovery Program offers a holistic approach to improve all areas of your life, from strained relationships to difficult career and financial situations. At Full Recovery, the goal is simple. Provide you the tools needed to enjoy a rich and rewarding life. Full Recovery is now offering 
offering its exclusive badge of honor program, a treatment solution designed to meet the unique privacy needs of New Jersey's first responders and police officers. When relapse is not an option, turn to the state licensed professionals at the Full Recovery Wellness Center, located at 87 Fairfield Road in Fairfield. For more information, 973-244-0022 or at www.full-recovery.com. Full Recovery Wellness Center in Fairfield. And now, back to Here's the Thing, a show that's all about you on WOLD. And your host, Lauren Cardinal, a board-certified hypnotist and results coach. If you'd like to speak to Lauren, you can call in at 732-748-1079. That's 732-748-1079. Let's get back to the show with your host, Lauren Cardinal. Hello and welcome back. Thank you for joining me for Here's the Thing. Tonight we're talking about grief relief. And I started out by talking about the five stages of grief. And before the break, I got through four. The first was denial and isolation, then anger, then bargaining, then depression, and the last one is acceptance. I'm going to go through acceptance and then we'll move on to something else and take, take calls. So acceptance... Acceptance is often confused with the notion of being all right or okay with what's happened, and that's not the case. Most people don't ever feel okay or all right about the loss of a loved one. This stage is about accepting the reality that our loved one is physically gone, whether that's through divorce, a death, or another kind of loss, and recognizing that this new reality is the permanent reality. We'll never like this, we may never like this reality or make it okay, but eventually accept it. We learn to live with it. It's the new norm with what with which we must learn to live. We must try to live now in a world where our loved one is missing. In resisting this new norm, at first many people want to maintain life as it was before the loss. In time, through bits and pieces of acceptance, however, we see that we can't maintain that past, keep it intact. It's been it's been changed. And we must readjust, and that's the part of acceptance. We have to learn to reorganize roles, to reassign them to others, or to take them on ourselves. Finding acceptance may just be having more good days than bad ones. And as we begin to live again and enjoy our lives, we often feel that in doing so we're betraying our loved one. We can never replace what's been lost, but we can make new connections new meaningful relationships, new interdependencies. Instead of denying our feelings, we listen to our needs, we move, we change, we grow, we evolve. We may start to reach out to others and become involved in their lives. We invest in our friendships and in our relationships with ourselves. We begin to live again. But we can't do it until we've given grief its time. And reaching this stage of grieving is a gift that not everyone gets to experience. Our losses may be sudden and unexpected, or we may never see beyond our anger or denial. It's not necessarily a mark of bravery to resist the inevitable and to deny ourselves the opportunity to make our peace. This phase can be marked by withdrawal and calm. It's not a period of happiness. And it's different from depression. Loved ones that are terminally ill or aging 
appear to go through a final period of withdrawal. And it doesn't mean that they're aware of their own impending death, only that physical decline may be sufficient to produce a similar response. Their behavior implies that it's natural to reach a stage when social interaction is limited. Coping with loss is ultimately a deeply personal and singular experience. Nobody can help you through it, go through it more easily or understand all the emotions that you're going through. The support is certainly helpful, but it is about honoring the feelings and moving through it in whatever way is necessary for you to do it. Others can comfort you. The best thing to do is allow yourself to feel the griefs, grief as it comes over you. Resisting it will only prolong the natural process of healing. Now we're back from the break. Um, opening up the phone lines if you'd like to call in and you have something you'd like to share on our topic tonight about grief relief, please call in. 732-748-1079. Let me know what's on your mind. Now although most people never stop missing their departed loved ones, the painful emotions they feel shortly after the death almost certainly eventually softens. And it can be comforting to keep this in mind. If we tell ourselves that this will never end, or I'm weak for feeling this way, I'm going crazy, or some other negative and probably not fully accurate statement, we'll wind up feeling needlessly worse. If we instead reassure ourselves that this is normal, it won't last forever, it will be easier to honor our loss without added burden. <clears throat> and it's important to not rush. There's no timetable. I've heard people talking about, I've had clients, friends, relatives talk about the timetable of different things. Oh, when this happens, it's only a few months before you start feeling this way. Or, gosh, it's been a year since your spouse passed. Haven't you moved on yet? There is no timetable. There's no rushing it. No estimates on how long the grief process should take. One person may say a few weeks. Others might say it can take anywhere from a few months to years. And these people aren't lying. They're simply conveying their own experiences. But as I said, grief is very personal. And we're entitled to our own schedule. Right? Well, people sometimes continue to experience moments of moderate sadness, even several years after losing a loved one. Most people's strongest feelings of grief, known as acute grief, begin to lessen within a few months, perhaps, perhaps. But it's important not to criticize ourselves if grief doesn't act like most people's. Grief is a normal reaction, a normal process. If you erase the grief, you erase the depth of love that was felt. There is a... Oh, we have a Diane calling in North Brunswick on line one. Great, take the call. Diane, are you there? Hi, Lauren. Hi, Diane. Thanks for calling in. You're welcome. I enjoy your show, and I think you have so much good things to say. And Thank you. I, I love what you're talking about tonight. 
And grief, you know, isn't always about someone passing away, as, mm-hmm. as you pointed out tonight as you were talking. Um, you know, uh, when I and my husband divorced, um, I went through a period of grief, and um, it was a good thing that the divorce occurred, but there was a period of grief that I felt, and mm-hmm. I remember sitting on the steps of my house where I was living and listening to country western music and crying and crying and mm-hmm. crying and crying and crying. And, you know, that really helped. My husband is a, well, he, he passed away recently, but he was a bluegrass musician. And uh. I, I just, you know, he went on. He, he, he went on his merry way, and I was alone for a long time. And mm-hmm. uh, I just felt like it really helped me. The mu- music really helps is the point I'm trying to make to Great. maybe some... some um, are we on air? Yes, we are. All right. So music helps in, Greek, in, in getting over uh, the lo- loss of, of a loved one in, in whatever capacity that loss is. And um, I found it really comforting in, in my grief to, to have the uh, companion of music. That's, that's a great idea. Now, Diane, did you find that in listening to the music, you would choose music to match your mood, or you would choose music to help you move through a mood, or both? To match, to match my, my mood. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, when I listen to music, I let music happen. And I say, okay, I guess I am feeling like that, even though I didn't realize it. Mm. But um, the radio is uh, magical, and I listen to it like that. But in those days, I, I would choose the music that I that would match my mood, and, and because I was I was so sensitive and vulnerable. Sure, and it resonated with you. Probably allowed you to feel some of that connection again. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if, if grief is the the reflection of a connection that's been lost, then listening to that country music is kind of reestablishing that connection that you were feeling. And, you know, Diane, you said something interesting that I wanted to bring up again. You mentioned that you were going through grief as a result of your divorce, and you said it was a good thing, but you still went through the grieving process. And I wanted to remark on that because even when it's a good thing, we can still mourn the loss of that connection that we had. Yeah. Is that yeah. how you would describe yeah. your experience? Yeah. And um, I'm, I'm, I'm much, I'm much better, let me put it this way, the, the marriage was um, not a good, good marriage, um, and... Uh, it's better that I'm not in it anymore. And it, it was a godsend that uh, I fell apart as a result of the way my husband was. Mm-hmm. And I had to leave the marriage. And um, it was a godsend that I fell apart. Because I, I never would have divorced him, you know. But mm. uh, 
is a God. So a blessing in disguise. A blessing in disguise. But yeah. I want to say that whatever our song was Key Largo. Mm-hmm. And although um, I I I have a lot of bad feelings towards him as a result of what went on and everything, I still cry and and love and and think about him and just even talk to him when I hear Key Largo. Sure. And sure. just get so full of emotion for him, you know. Yeah. When I hear and there's song. a special place for that, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, Diane, I'm so glad that you called in tonight. That was a great experience for you to share. Keep listening, and please call back. I'd love to hear from you again. Well, thank you very much. Thanks have again. Good, have a good night. Thank you. You too. Bye now. Bye. And we have Kim online too. Kim, are you there? Yes. Hi, Laura. Hi, Kim. And thank you, Diane, for sharing. Great, great, great um, response from Diane. Yeah, that was a, a a great experience to bring up. Yeah, I mean, she nailed it. Um, this is a great topic, and I was thinking, it, it's funny. Now, I don't want the listeners to think that I didn't care because that's not true, but. I had, um, my mother was uh, part Cherokee, so from mm-hmm. a very early age, she always taught us about the earth, the, you know, the world, human beings, and um, God, but she always called him the Great Spirit, which is what they normally call him. And mm-hmm. um, I, I was taught very early that we are only here for a certain amount of time. And that's as I grew up and started learning about death and, you know, going to relatives' funerals and things like that, um, my mom would always, you know, I always had in my head, we're only here for this period of time. And my mother and I were extremely, extremely, very, very, very close. And um, I used to tell people that we came from the same soul, God just split us apart and made one the mother mm-hmm. and one the daughter. And we were very, very close. So when she did pass away... Um, in 2002, which was years ago, um, my heart was broken, but I was, I, I had to ask someone if I was right, because I actually, I, I felt the loss, but I didn't fall completely apart like everybody else did right away, because mm-hmm. I understood that she was given a certain amount of time here to become my mother and the mother of my siblings, of course, or and the wife of my father. And this was her charter, so to speak, as she taught me from the Great Spirit. So mm-hmm. I understood that. And um, days after, I would burst into little bits of tears, but nothing that was so deep heart-wrenching. I, I don't think I was in denial because I really, as I look back on it now, I, I didn't deny it because I knew, I understood that this was supposed to happen, even though, yeah, true, I didn't want it to happen, but I still sure. understood sure. it. And so throughout the months and years, I would burst out in little tears, and even to this day, 2017, you know, a holiday comes by or nothing comes by, just a bird could fly through me, and all of a sudden, you know, I well up with fashion. But um, my godmother said, well, you didn't have a deep cry yet. You didn't have a deep cry, and you'll have it. And I was like, well, when? Because, I, you know, people are thinking I'm not normal because I didn't fall apart yet. It's just coming in little spurts. 
Mm-hmm. When I listened to Diane, who chose the song, I didn't choose a song. The song just happened to come out, and I can't remember what year the movie came out, but the song just happened to come out when I was driving up from the shore, and I lost it. Because mm-hmm. I just totally pulled over and totally, mm-hmm. I was crying so hard in the car that people were stopping to see if I was okay. And the song, which I now have dedicated as my mother's song, and still can't play to this day because I fall apart, it's called I, I'm Everything I Am Because You Love Me. Mm-hmm. You know that song? Sure I do. Yes. that Powerful. Song, Yes, was the epitome of my relationship with my mother. So I love. So Kim, let me ask you a question. You said that you don't, you don't play the song because you don't want to fall apart, quote unquote, fall apart. I don't play it often. Okay, I was going to say because my question was going to be, why not play it? Exactly. Because if the emotions are there that need to move through your body to be released, sometimes it's important to do that. Exactly. And I have so to I'm glad to hear that you say that it's just not all the time, but you will. I, Sean is telling know. me uh, the Celine Celine Dion song. Yes, yes, yeah. Yes. Yep, that's it. And I'll tell you, what a powerful, uh, I, I, I don't even have the words to describe it, but you're right, because for a long while, I, I would go to play it and then stop because I didn't want to face the feelings. But the key, like you said earlier, two things. The key is to gradually face them. Don't force yourself to face them. Let it come naturally. And the other thing I thought was key that you said was there's no rush on when you have to feel better. You <laughs> Absolutely. Have to, you know, there's no, you know, well, how come she didn't cry yet? How come she didn't fall apart yet? Well, excuse me, am I on your timetable or is this my life? Mm-hmm. And I thought that was so key because it, it knows, it really knows no end. But as time goes on, the process, it gets a little better, not as in, yippee, I'm back to normal. No, you are going to be changed. You are going sure. to be changed. And, and people are going to be changed on different scales, one, on a scale of 1 to 10. I mean, mine was mm-hmm. a 10. But that's me. And I love the fact that you said you don't have to rush to go through it. But that song so epitomized. My mother, my mother's relationship to the way she raised me, and it had hurt so bad when I first heard it. This is why I stopped playing it because it mm. it it was that kind of cry that you actually feel your heart actually aching. You know that sure. kind of cry. I do. I do. Okay, where it's almost as if you're 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 you, you feel that pounding and the aching, and then you have to wonder, and I which I did. And I'll be honest. Am I ever going to come back from this? I felt so broken and so destroyed because now I realize, oh, my God, the best thing that ever happened to me is not here in the physical. And mm-hmm. it was so important for me to now not pay attention to why people were so worried that I didn't come to this big cry any sooner. It was my right. turn. Well, you know, and I think something that I wanted to mention that a lot of times there's the... the opportunity, I'll call it opportunity, that people take to kind of want to help us move through grief. And I know I've done it too. But it's because the quicker we all move through grief, the better the people around us feel. And we all want to feel better. We want 
we want you, Kim, to feel better. So we want you to move through grief faster so that we can feel better. Hmm. Make sense? Yeah, I never thought of it that way. So in that, even though people may be rushing us or saying it's time to move on, it really is from a place of them having empathy and feeling for us and feeling that grief as well. So I guess the word to the wise of have some compassion for those people who may be rushing you through as well. Yeah. Okay, point well taken. Kim, and that's also a reminder to myself, number one, when I have that urge to want people to move through it or if I'm feeling that somebody is, is encouraging me to move through the grief faster. So not just for you, Kim, yourself, yeah. you know. <laughs> well, Kim, thank you very much that. for the call. Thank There's one you, more dear. thing that I want to get through, so I really appreciate you sharing that experience with us. Glad to know the song and always look forward to your calls. Thank you for sharing. Okay, go ahead with finishing so I can listen. <laughs> okay, have a good okay. night, Kim. <laughs> Bye. Bye. So in this part of the show, I have just a few minutes, but I want to... It should be enough time. I wanted to make sure I got those calls in. That That's important. It's most important to talk to the people. So now I just won't run on and on as much as I would have. And this part of the show, I want to bring your awareness to a woman by the name of Aurora Winter. And she has a book called The Peace Method. It's the 30-minute peace method for grief. And it may not be for everyone. And it's not just to put it out there. It's not 30 minutes to find peace. Peace isn't an acronym. And I want to share the steps in this process that are meant to provide a shift, even just a small shift in the grief that you're feeling in 30 minutes. So the peace method is five steps. The P stands for coming to the present moment. Three or four deep breaths. Get present. E, express the feelings, the emotions. If you can't feel it, you can't heal it. The A is for accept what is. Maybe look for something, anything to appreciate. And I'll get into an example. Actually, let me go into an example now. For the coming into the present, that's the deep breath. Express feelings. Coming up with the painful thought that you're feeling. Um, That thought maybe that if I do anything differently, I'm going to lose my son in terms of the grief. And then accept what is and maybe looking for something to appreciate. Understand what the feeling is that comes, the thought that comes up. It's sadness. Noticing where you feel it in your body. Maybe it's a pit in the stomach. And accept the thought and allow that thought to be true for a moment and what you can appreciate. In that thought, maybe it's how much love there is for the son, how important he is in your life, not was. The C is consider the contrary. Force a pattern interrupt deliberately. So for that example, if I keep doing this grief the same way the same way I'm going to lose my son how is that so blocking out the good memories you won't be able to enjoy them not remembering is not honoring so considering continuing to do things the same way may not be honoring you can't connect to that son that's lost if your spirit is not, is in the pit there's just when there's too much grief with heavy grief you can't see the face or remember the features there's no connection It's got to be elevated a little bit in order to connect. And then the E is for enthusiasm. What do you consciously choose? And in that example, it may be, if I do something differently, I can honor him. Make a decision. 
befriend the grief and get in touch with the wisdom? What do you consciously choose to do? And by following that process, there's the opportunity for even just a slight shift. Now, I glossed over it very quickly. There's a lot that can be gained from her book, The Peace Process. Um, again, her name is Aurora Winter. And she has, if you're having trouble with grief, she actually, you can work with a grief coach. And you can visit griefcoachacademy.com. So wrapping up, grief isn't a race to the finish line. It isn't a contest to see who fits the stages best. It's natural, though emotionally difficult part of life, and one that can't be easily explained by five simple stages. Aurora Winter's book is on Amazon.com. You can visit griefcoachacademy.com if you're interested in working with a grief coach. And remember to be kind to yourself. Do your best to maintain connection with family, friends, and your spiritual connection. And when you can, say yes to life. We have a choice to become bitter or better. We have the choice. In closing, an Apache blessing. Not Cherokee, Kim, but an Apache blessing. May the sun bring your, you a new energy by day. May the moon softly restore you by night. May the rain wash away your worries. May the breeze blow new strength into your being. May you walk gently through the world and know its beauty all the days of your life. I'd like to thank my sponsor, Full Recovery Wellness Center. I'd like to thank Diane and Kim for calling in tonight. I'd like to thank you for joining me. Join me next week. We'll be talking about emotional trauma and stress. Uh, 7 o'clock next week, 107.9, 95.1, with the recorded shows at 9 a.m. on Saturdays at 97.5. You won't want to miss the show. Until then, keep it light, smile, and enjoy. Have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Good night. There's a world-class addiction treatment center that accepts most insurance right in Fairfield, New Jersey. The Full Recovery Wellness Center offers substance abuse help with flexible day and evening options. Overcoming addictive behavior is really just the beginning of recovery. The Full Recovery Program offers a holistic approach to improve all areas of your life, from strained relationships to difficult career and financial situations. At Full Recovery, the goal is simple. Provide you the tools needed to enjoy a rich and rewarding life. Full Recovery is now offering its exclusive badge of honor program, a treatment solution designed to meet the unique privacy needs of New Jersey's first responders and police officers. When relapse is not an option, turn to the state licensed professionals at the Full Recovery Wellness Center located at 87 Fairfield Road in Fairfield. For more information, 973-244-0022 or at www.full-recovery.com. Full Recovery Wellness Center in Fairfield. The views and opinions heard on the preceding program are not necessarily those of the staff and management of Oldies 1079 WOLD or SRN Communications.